0: This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Bader, giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy, on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
1: Hello, MD Nation! We are back on this Friday, October 2nd. We're going to talk about the Thursday night recap, we're going to talk about The late window of games for week four to go update all the injuries for you heading into your matchups. And of course, we have a mailbag segment for you at the end of the show. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN. And as always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. First, I want to kick off the show by a big shout out to my wife who turned 30 years old today on October 2nd have a lot of things planned with family. We're going to have a lot of fun later on today. So a big shout out to Samantha there. And now what we also have to do, though, is that after that, you know, nice shout out to my wife for her birthday is that I'm also in mourning. I'm in mourning because Adam Gase walked in on Friday morning with his job still intact. Why? I wanted the rumors to be true. And I'm not a Jess fan. For those of you who don't know, maybe you're new to the show, or I haven't mentioned it since you've been listening, I am a 49ers fan. And I want Adam Gase gone for fantasy football purposes. I want him gone as a fan of the NFL. We can't watch this anymore. It is terrible football. Last night's game, even though it was a score of 37 to 28 in this ball game, it was probably the worst high-scoring game I've ever seen in my life. Watching Brett Ripon, who's a third string quarterback, watching Sam Darnold, who looked like a third string quarterback, and having to watch Adam Gase hang on to his job. I don't know why. I wanted him gone. For all the Le'Veon Bell owners out there, I wanted him to return week five with no Adam Gase. I was hopeful it was going to be true. We wake up today and we find out it's not. Gase is still around. And he's still breaking our fantasy football hearts. But on a more serious note, the other news we have to talk about before we actually get into the real content of today's show is the Tennessee Titans and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mostly the Titans side of the ball, though. So they had another player test positive for COVID yesterday. Then they had two more players test positive for COVID this morning. And now... If this trend continues, if more people begin to test positive, we have more positive reports over the weekend for Tennessee, all of a sudden next week's game with the Titans and the Bills is going to fall into question. Uh, uh, That's going to be brutal. As I said yesterday, the silver lining is that Minnesota does not seem to be affected. They still, as of this morning, have not had one player, one personnel staff, anybody test positive for covid but the Titans, if you had to go another week with no games, and if they go a second week, I don't think they can make that one up. So there's a real chance here that the Titans and the Bills, because if that game gets affected, it'll also affect the Bills next week as well, could wind up playing 15 games this season. Now, we knew this was a risk this year that this might happen if a breakout took place. The hope was that it was contained enough where it wouldn't be an issue. We'll have to see what happens. And if you stay with us at Show on social media, especially on Twitter, you have those notifications up. We're going to keep you up to date all throughout the week on the show and also through there as we get information to keep you informed and make sure you are making the correct fantasy moves. Now, this should go without saying before we get into the fantasy analysis of what this news could be. Of course, we wish a speedy recovery for the Titans. We hope that no one else tests positive. We hope that they're able to contain it. We hope that everyone is going to be better quickly. This is a fantasy football show. We have to examine this from a fantasy football perspective and what the impact of this news is. The first thing that immediately jumps to my mind when viewing it through that scope is that look at the Derrick Henry owner. Look at the A.J. Brown owner. Look at the Janu Smith owner. Are they 1-2? and two? Are they 0-3? Oh are they panicking a little bit? Do they need active players now? And with this news today about them possibly missing Week 5 as well, it could be time to buy low. Derek Henry just had a great game, but if he's possibly going to miss the next two weeks because the Tennessee Titans might not play. And also keep in mind, we still don't know who the Titan players are that tested positive. I'm not suggesting that they are, you know, the Derrick Henry, the stars of the, of the team, but we don't know who they are. That's the point. It could be time to buy low because they're going to come back eventually. And if, like I said, you're sitting there, the owner of those guys are Owen three, one and two. They already had to make last second plans for today's or this week's matchup. And now they're realizing they might have to make different plans for next week, too. They could be willing to sell low. That's something you have to look at. Something you have to take advantage of. A.J. Brown's going to be back whenever Tennessee comes back because he was expected to come back in week five. So if they don't have a week five and they have a week six, he'll be back then. He'll be back whenever they're ready to come back. Janu Smith has been a top 10 tight end. He's going to, you know, him, you know, if you can get him dirt cheap, because there are a lot of other tight ends that you can go ahead and stream. I can understand that. But Derek Henry... Derrick Henry's stock, as far as trade value, is never going to be lower than it is right now. You're still going to have to give up a, night, a pretty penny for it. But if you have the depth, if you, can make the, if you can pull the trigger, if you can catch that owner panicking because of this news, now would be the time to attack. Now would be the time to go after him. So from a fantasy standpoint, that is what you have to examine. As far as everything else goes, it's kind of a wait and see pattern. We have to wait and see if you're going to be able to have your Bills players next week. We don't know yet. We still have to wait and see when this Titans-Steelers game is going to get rescheduled. Or if they do miss next week, is it the Titans and Steelers that gets rescheduled? Or is the Titans and Bills that gets rescheduled? They're going to have a dilemma there. I don't know which one's going to be better for that. So there's just a lot of wait and see. So the only real fantasy analysis advice that I can give you right now is that you can possibly buy low on some of the key players on the Titans right now. But it's very, it's just a very unfortunate situation. And we have been doing so well and got to this point without having a mishap. And it just kept coming. It just kept coming. But fantasy owners, you knew that this was going to be a risk when you played this season. So this is how you make the best of it. And you have to prepare and you have to have depth this season. So be diligent on those waiver wires and keep listening to the show. And we're going to keep, we're going to keep helping you along the way. Hit us up on social media. Hit us up on the MD Nation hotline, 609-362-2480. That all gets you on the mailbag segment, but it also contacts us. And we will, even if we don't put your question on the show, I'm still going to give you the best possible advice that I can give you with the information that I have at hand. I'm going to be here to help you the whole way. So take advantage of that. We're here for you. So we're going to move on into the actual... Actually, no, we're not going to do that. So last week... We waited till the end of the show to talk about the updated injuries from our show yesterday, from the Thursday show, from the early window preview matchup games. I'm going to update, instead of doing it at the end of the show, I actually want to do it at the beginning of the show. And then, you know, the injuries that we don't talk about are obviously guys that are in the matchups of the late window, which is what we're going to talk about as we go through this show. So I wanted to kick it off by getting you guys updated on the players that you're curious about in your lineups heading into the weekend. And to kick that off, we have Will Fuller. He popped up all of a sudden on the injury report yesterday, limited with a hamstring issue. Now, Bill O'Brien quickly came out this morning and stated that Will Fuller's fine. They wanted to give him some rest and that he's expected to be good to go on Sunday. So while that in and of itself is a positive development, of course, it's also a little questioning because Will Fuller, if you go back to week two, was in and out of the lineup. They said because of a hamstring issue, but then he never popped up on the injury report throughout the practice week. He practiced. There's been this weird thing going on that it sounds like Will Fuller's dealing with a hamstring issue. Obviously, it's not severe enough where he's truly missing time, but there does seem to be some back and forth with that. And we all know that he's, you know, it's inevitable that he's a, a play away from a soft tissue injury. Now, as long as he plays, this is too good of a matchup to bench him. You cannot bench Will Fuller against Minnesota Vikings. You have to play him. Have to, so. but it's something to kind of keep your eye on that it his hamstring may be in the air as of right now. So just keep a close watch on that. But as of right now, he is expected to play. DeAndre Hopkins did not practice again yesterday, so this tells me that he is legitimately hindered by an ankle injury. You know, when a guy's is missed on Wednesday, it could just be veteran time, but he did in fact miss practice yesterday altogether so he is getting bothered by an ankle injury as far as the status on Sunday as of doing this show right now on Thursday on Thursday morning or Thursday afternoon or Friday afternoon I don't even know what date it is anymore but of doing a show right now DeAndre Hopkins and his status he is questionable I would lean towards him wind up being a game time decision but we know Hopkins has a history of playing through injury. We we know he can go through an entire week practicing very little or not at all, still show up on Sunday and still perform. So the big thing to take away from this is that as long as DeAndre Hopkins is active, he belongs in your lineup. And going into this week, he was our number one wide receiver for week four. So as long as he's active, you're going to play him. We're definitely going to be watching the injury report today. Make sure you're following us along. But, there, even if he doesn't practice today, there's still a decent chance that he could be active on Sunday. So just you're going to have to stay up to date with this throughout the weekend. And of course, we're going to help you out on Sunday mornings. Like we always do at belly up MDF of show with your star sick questions and keeping you up to date and all the news there too. Now, Terry McLaurin, he popped up on the injury report yesterday with a thigh issue. He was listed as limited. The good news on him as of this morning is that he was back out there on practice today. So it sounds like even though it was a downgrade in the middle of the week, which always makes us a little worried, it does sound as though Terry McLaurin is okay, and it does sound as though he's going to be active on Sunday. Now, it's not a great match against the Baltimore Ravens, but because that there's a great chance that they're going to have garbage time because Washington has showed that they will go no huddle in certain areas of the game when they have to get in the comeback mode especially, that Terry McLaurin, is just he's just a safe guy to get you at least eight targets. That's is, He's always going to get you eight targets. It might not be a great matchup, but he's always going to have a safe floor for you. And you know, with him and his speed, it only takes one play. And not that he's as explosive as Tyreek Hill, because very few wide receivers in the league are. He isn't a very explosive wide, wide receiver. He is a 4-3 type of wide receiver. We saw what speed did to Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey on Monday Night Football. So I would not rule it out that he has a legitimate chance to get a big play in this one if he's able to strike when the time is right, if Dwayne Haskins is able to give him the ball when the time is right, which is always the question mark right now. But with the volume, with that ability, as long as he is okay, and it sounds like more like he is than he's not, Well, then Terry McLaurin is somebody who still has to be in your lineups heading into this week. So this is the good news that it does sound like he's practicing today and he should be active on Sunday as of right now. Chris Godwin, just to reiterate, just to remind you that he's not only going to be out for this week, but there's a pretty good chance he's going to be out for next week because he has to play in the Thursday night game. If that game was on Sunday, it sounds like he would have been able to go, which should give you confidence when you head into week six that he will be active and 100% by then. But there's a decent chance he's going to be out for the next two weeks. The developing story for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receiver group is Scotty Miller. Scotty Miller, because of a hip and groin issue that he is listed with, he has not practiced yet this week. He does not look like as of right now that he's going to be active on Sunday. So that's going to leave all those targets to Mike Evans and Justin Watson, who now becomes a really sneaky pickup as of this morning. So if Justin Watson's available and he probably, he should be in, in the overwhelming majority of your leagues. All those targets that you thought Scotty Miller might make himself a wide receiver three with, well, Justin Watson should be in that category for this matchup. He's practicing in full. He's good to go. I know he was on the injury report. I think, believe it was on Wednesday, but he practiced in full yesterday. So he's active. He's a fine. So Justin Watson is definitely worth a pickup. And I'll throw this out there, and we'll talk about this more tomorrow in the DC's DFS Challenge Show from 9.30 to 10.30 on the World Wide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN but he should be in your DFS lineups too, because he's going to be cheap and he's looking at a heck of a workload in front of him, especially if Scotty Miller is going to miss, which it looks like it's going to be the case. So take that into consideration. If you're looking for wide receivers this week, Justin Watson just became the hot guy to go after. Mike Williams, the chargers, he did not practice again. I do not expect him to be there on Sunday. It just, it's not trending in that direction. He's been really banged up since the beginning of the season. That means Double-digit targets for Keenan Allen, double-digit targets for Austin Eckler, and probably at least seven to eight targets for Hunter Henry. Automatically. So not that they weren't must, not that all three of those guys weren't must plays before, but just, just reiterates the floor that they have and what their ceilings could possibly be with that kind of workload. Chris Carson, limited again yesterday. We talked about this a little bit yesterday. I, it looks more and more like Chris Carson's going to be able to play. Now, if you're worried about what his workload's going to be, I can understand that. But the thing you have to take in consideration is that Carlos Hyde has been limited in practice all week with a back issue. So he's not going to necessarily be less healthy than Carlos Hyde is this week, which means he might not have his workload as limited as it might have been heading into this week. And I don't think they would rush Chris Carson out. Seattle's, Seattle's undefeated right now. So there's really no reason to rush Chris Carson out there, a team that is a playoff-bound team, unless they're pretty confident that he's going to be healthy enough to really be able to play and handle a normal workload. So I have confidence heading into Chris Carson. That should be reflected by the fact that I have him as number 10 overall for the running back position in half-point PPRs, because against Miami Dolphins, there's a real chance he gets two touchdowns in this game. So you are definitely playing Chris Carson, and I think without really any concern, considering the circumstances around the backfield of the Seattle Seahawks right now. Next guy, Kareem Hunt, he didn't practice Wednesday. He didn't practice Thursday. The report is, as of this morning, he is at practice today. So it does sound like Kareem Hunt will be active and available on Sunday after all, and it sounds like that means he should be an RB2 in all of your lineups. I I had ranked Chubb and Hunt with the idea that Hunt was still going to find a way to be active because they kept saying the groin issue is not a serious one. So I kept thinking they were probably going to still have him out there. So I still have Kareem Hunt as number 18 overall with Dick Chubb being number 12 overall at the running back position for halfway BR leaks. Kareem Hunt has to be in your lineup as an RB2. Am I a little worried that they might limit his workload a little bit, especially depending on how the game is going on Sunday? Yeah, I am a little bit worried about that because if he's not 100% and it is a groin issue, something that is easily re aggravated, something that could easily get worse depending upon, you know, if he's if he's not moving well or whatever. I am a little concerned that it might we might not see the normal 15 touch Kareem Hunt that we have seen throughout the season. But as long as he's active and he's out there and they continue with the tone and perspective of they're not very concerned about it, which is what, which is what the tone has been around Kareem Hunt. Then you have to play him as an RB2 because you have to assume he's going to be involved. This team's still going to revolve around the running back, even though Dallas is a little bit better against the run than they are against the pass. But you still have to play him as an RB2. Nick Chubb, of course, is a must play. But I'm not, I guess, overall, I'm saying I'm not worried about Kareem Hunt and having a super limited workload on Sunday. Last two that I want to update you guys on that were from yesterday's show is uh, Michael Thomas and Jared Cook. Michael Thomas, limited practice the past two days. They've been talking about him eyeing up a week four return. Today, though, they come out and say he's not a lock for Sunday, meaning they're going to play it cautious. Oh, and I just got some breaking news here right now, live on the show. As soon as you hit that drop.
0: Breaking news.
1: It is official. The Tennessee Titans and the Pittsburgh Steelers have had their game rescheduled for week seven. Yeah, that's I don't have exactly what day. I don't, that's all I have right now coming through our desk is he they are going to play their game for week seven. So keep that in mind. As of right now, it doesn't say whether it's a Thursday game or a normal Sunday game. It just says that they will have their game during week Seven, which was the Titans original bye week, but it wasn't the Steelers Steelers bye week was in week eight. So I'm not exactly sure how that's going to work or what day that's going to be. But as of right now, they have been rescheduled for week seven, the Titans and the Steelers. So that happening now, keep that in mind for when you move forward uh, towards the week seven buys for the Tennessee Titans that were were, were originally their buys and for the Steelers players. All right. So moving on, we were we were talking about Michael Thomas. We were talking about Jared Cook. So Thomas, they're, they're being more cautious with Thomas now. Which is kind of what I expected. It's kind of what I talked about yesterday. I said I didn't have him ranked. Because I still really do not believe it makes any logical sense for the Saints who are playing the long game to rush Michael Thomas back against the Detroit Lions team that you should be able to beat without him. The only reason I thought they might still do is because they are 1-2. and two. They had two tough losses in a row. And they may just want to ensure that they have their best weapons out there to get back to 500, which I can understand, but it's still the Detroit Lions. So I am still of the belief that I don't believe Michael Thomas will actually be active at the end of the day. And this kind of goes to that belief as far as I'm saying he's not a lock for Sunday. So we're going to have to watch that throughout the weekend. Again, follow us at Billy of MDF show on Twitter. We'll keep you up to date on that. Jared Cook, I don't believe he's going to be active. He has not practiced Wednesday. He didn't practice Thursday. I haven't got the report yet exactly what's going on with the Saints today. We will probably later on in the afternoon. But he is severely banged up right now with a groin issue. So I do not expect Jared Cook to be able to suit up in this game. If Michael Thomas and Jared Cook do not go, that does not mean play Emmanuel Sanders and Traquan Smith. I know it's a great matchup. If you want to play them in DFS, sure. Yeah, I'll I'll take that chance all day long in DFS. And I'll take my chance on Traquan Smith because he has the best chance for a big play. Simpler communications. And logically speaking, the targets should be in line for both Sanders and Traquan Smith if you have no Thomas, if you have no Cook. But you can't trust either one of these guys. It was clearly Traquan Smith in week two. It was 50-50 in week three. The only person I really trust in the passing game, the only person I really trust in the Saints at all right now is Alvin Kamara. So I am not going to play them in a redraft league but I will take the chance on a Trey Quan Smith or even Emmanuel Sanders in DF, DFS because that price is going to be right and the matchup is going to be right and the possibility of targets is going to be there. But I'm not doing it in redraft. The, the floors are just too low because they could just dominate this game with Kamara and Latavius Murray out of the backfield if they wanted to. So that wraps up the updated injuries from the games that we talked about yesterday in the early window preview matchups. Remember, if you want to go back and listen to that, all you have to do is download the WWSRN app on iOS or Worldwide Sports Radio Network on Android, and you can go back and listen to it or on your favorite streaming app, whether it be iHeart, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, Belly Up Sports' MD's Fantasy Football Show. It's all you got to do is search, and you can listen to any episode you want to. So make sure you go ahead and check that back out. Now that we've got the updated injuries out of the way, let's go ahead and dive into the Thursday night recap. The actual fantasy analysis of it, not the Adam Gase still has a job woefulness of it all. So hard to say. I was so ready to celebrate. I was so ready to give a eulogy for Adam Gase's career this morning. So disappointed. I don't get to do it, but I do believe it will happen and we'll save it for another day. Don't you worry. So let's start off on the Jets' side of the ball. Sam Darnold. Hey, his legs were alive. Broke off a 46-yard touchdown in this one. Looked more spry than Frank Gore ever has in the last 10 years. But he was still a terrible quarterback. About 50% completions. Only 5.5 yards per completion. 230 yards on a day. No passing touchdowns. Didn't throw any picks. He was harassed. He was harangued. He was sacked quite a bit. That offensive line, especially when it comes to passing, is still terrible. Because remember, the Denver Broncos, outside of Bradley Chubb, they don't have much of a pass rush anymore. This is not the Broncos' defensive old. And they still got to him six times. The offensive line, is just, they're much better at run blocking. I know that the running backs don't necessarily show it, but it's also because it's Frank Gore and Michael Perrine. That's why you're not getting a lot of production on the ground game. But this is all around terrible. The only thing from a fantasy note that we talked about going into the game that I would be willing to play and came out with a great game was Jameson Crowder. Seven catches, 104 yards, 10 targets. That's two games now this season that while the Jets as a whole have been completely terrible, that Jameson Crowder has gotten seven receptions and gone over 100 yards in his game. The only difference between this game and week one is that he just didn't score, but he looked pretty good for a guy who is quote-unquote, not going to be 100% off of his hamstring issue in that game. He looked pretty good to me. He was getting in and out of his breaks. And like I said, he reestablished himself as a high-floor wide receiver three, especially in half-point, full-point PPR leagues. He's the only wide receiver that Sam Darnold has any confidence going to. I mean, that was just proof on the field. Anytime it was a critical situation, Darnold would just stare down Crowder until he got open. Now, I know Jeff Smith, he actually wound up with seven catches for 81 yards on nine targets. And if you're saying yourself, who? Exactly. Don't bother him with fantasy football. James o Crowder has reestablished himself as a wide receiver three moving forward in this game. That's the only thing you really need to take out from a fantasy perspective for the Jets. On the Broncos' side of the ball, Melvin Gordon came through for me. I was a little worried because he was getting bottled up quite a bit there in the first half, but... Cause we had Melvin Gordon ranked as the number three running back on the week. And I feel pretty confident that he's going to be somewhere in that territory. Now after going 23 carries for 107 yards and two rushing touchdowns, the last rushing touchdowns, pretty much what sealed the game that 43 yarder where it was a very impressive run. He runs into the middle of the line of scrimmage. It looked like a rugby match. It looked like it was going nowhere. And all of a sudden there goes Melvin Gordon. He just bounces out and takes it to the house off the, down the sideline. Great game out of him. We expected a great game out of him. Now, Phillip Lindsay is getting closer and closer to return. I would not be surprised if he was back for week five. So how that's going to work as far as the split goes, we will have to see. But it does mean that Melvin Gord may not be as much of the bell cow as he has been over the past couple of weeks without Phillip Lindsay. But he has played well in that spell, and he's still going to be the lead guy. But he may be going back down to around 15 touches rather than closer to 20 or over 20 which is what he's been since Philip Lindsay has been out. So something to kind of keep in mind. I'm not, uh, I know people are going to ask, do I sell high on Melvin Gordon? My answer to that is no. This is still a team that I think is more of Melvin Gordon's offense than not. Uh, so that, that is one of the things that I'm not going to be really too concerned about at the end of the day is Melvin Gordon. He's still going to be a very solid RB2 for you throughout the entire season. So that's why we would stick with Melvin Gordon. I wouldn't look to necessarily sell him high. I mean, if you can turn around and trade Melvin Gordon for a Kenyon Drake, sure, I'd do it. If you can turn around and trade Melvin Gordon for a Chris Carson, sure, I'd do it. But it would have to be along those lines. I don't think that deal gets done. Maybe Kenyon Drake, because he hasn't performed yet, although you're going to have to wait until after this week, and they're playing Carolina. I think there's a pretty good chance Kenyon Drake has a very good game this week. But if he doesn't, if he once again goes 20 carries for about 80 or so yards and doesn't score, and is not as involved in the passing game for the fourth week in a row. Then there might be that possibility. But my point is that you're not selling Melvin Gordon unless the price is right. I wouldn't necessarily be actively looking to sell high on him. I think he's in the line for a good season. As far as the wide receivers go, how is this going to break down? Well, as far as the injury bug goes, we got to talk about that. KJ Hamler went down in this game, re aggravated the hamstring issue. So On a re-aggravation, you have to expect you're probably going to miss at least a few weeks. That's going to open things up for Jerry Judy, who didn't have the volume that we were expecting in this game, but came away with that big 48-yard touchdown early on. So he did wind up having a decent fantasy day. But Tim Patrick, six catches, 113 yards, a touchdown on seven targets. This is fantasy noteworthy. This is something to keep your eye on moving forward because somebody has to catch the ball in Denver whether it's Drew Locke or Brett Ripon or or Blake Bortles or whoever going to wind up being the quarterback over the next couple of weeks. Somebody has to catch the ball. And it can't all be Jerry Judy, and it can't all be Noah Fant. And now Noah Fant, almost forgot to mention that, Noah Fant went down with an ankle injury. He got carted off. Now, they called it late last night. The report was that it was a mild sprain or a minor sprain and that they don't expect him to miss much time, if any, which is great news considering that he had to get carted back to the locker room. And it didn't look very good. And it looked like he had hurt himself earlier in the game. He tried to play through it and just kept getting worse. So there is the positive light that they say that it's a minor injury. So if you have Noah Fant, while he definitely disappointed in this game, he gets banged up throughout of it. I think he would have a better matchup. He had five catches, 35 yards, six targets in this game. He was on his way to being the lead targeted pass catcher before he got hurt. He had the second most targets, even though he came out I believe believe he left the game completely uh, early in the third quarter. So hopefully he'll be back and he'll be okay and hold on to Noah Fant as a tight end one for you still the rest of the way. But if Noah Fant does miss time, or if he's going to be hindered, and KJ Hamler misses time, Tim Patrick's going to enter at least wide receiver four territory for me. Now it's going to be completely matchup dependent. But as I said, somebody else besides Jerry Judy and Noah Fant going to have to catch the ball down the field. That could be Tim Patrick. And we've seen good stretches from a fantasy football perspective out of Tim Patrick in the past. We've seen it happen. So that's why I'm not going to completely rule this one out. I am going to have my eye on this moving forward. He'll probably be on the waiver wire report. And the best thing about him is because he's Tim Patrick. You're probably not going to have to spend much to get him. Probably not going to spend much fab, if any. You're not, probably not going to have to spend a priority to get them. There's still a lot of receivers out there that are probably going to be ranked ahead of them. that are going to be available on the waiver wire. So this is just one to keep your eye on. You might be able to pick him up for free next week. So that's going to do it as far as the fantasy perspective goes for last night's abysmal 37-28 to 28 game. <laughs> We're going to preview our first late window game on Sunday with the Giants and the Rams. Of course, the injury news for the Giants, Sterling Shepard, you know, he's still on IR. Golden. Everybody else is pretty healthy, though. Golden Tate, Darius Slayton, Evan Ingram. The, the garbage dumpster fire that is the Giants' backfield right now. Look, as far as it comes to the Giants' backfield, obviously you're not playing anybody. But Devonta Freeman is still somebody that I think you should own moving forward. You should own him. I'm not excited about it. I talked about this when he picked up Freeman when we were talking about, you know, who do you pick up when that heavy, you know, waiver wire came out in week two and a lot of running backs were available. And I said to you, I was like, Devontae Freeman probably has the most rest of season value in some of these guys because a lot of the other guys are going to have their players come back. But I don't see a matchup until they play the Bengals in week 12 that you're ever going to feel comfortable playing him. Now, here's what I would say the silver lining is when it comes to Freeman's value. Dion Lewis was not a thing. And Wayne Gallman stinks. So Freeman's going to take over, I think, as the bell cow back sooner rather than later for this team. So there's going to be a volume, I think, coming Freeman's way. It's a horrible offensive line. Like I said, they don't have a good matchup until week 12, but the volume is going to start to be there. So for all you people who own Frank Gore out there, well, I'd rather own Freeman than Frank Gore through what we had to go suffer through through this stretch, just to kind of give you a a basis of where you're kind of at on that. So he should be rostered at the very least. But as far as this week goes, I'm good with playing Darius Slayton. He comes in as my number 17 wide receiver. He's a wide receiver too. It only takes one play. Is he a little bit of a boomer bust option? Yeah. But he still led the team in targets last week. Tied with Golden Tate. That's going to continue to be the case. I don't know what the Giants game plan was last week. Jason Garrett looked like he had absolutely no plan of attack, but I still truly believe that this team is going to have to be a pass first team moving forward. And against the Rams, there should be garbage time. They should have to come back from behind. There should be high volume in the passing game. So Darius Slayton, to me, I think is somebody who's going to get a nice little volume here. He's going to get a chance for a big play. Obviously, I don't love the matchup with Jalen Ramsey, but again, Jalen Ramsey doesn't follow anybody. He doesn't shadow anybody. So he's not going to be lined up on him the entire game. So I'm good with it. I'm good with playing Darius Slayton. I'm not going to play Golden Tate. Ceiling's just not there. Evan, Ingram's tough. Evan, Evan Ingram is tough. Evan Ingram is difficult to really feel confident in. I mean, on paper, in theory, this guy should be a tight end one. The talent's there, and he's healthy. But he just hasn't produced to this point. And in theory, if they are going to be coming back from behind, if they are going to have volume, then Evan Ingram should be the number one red zone target. So it's a very delicate situation. He comes in at tight end 12 for us this week. So right at that cusp of the tight end one, tight end two territory. Here's what I'll say. If you have Evan Ingram and you haven't bothered to pick up another tight end, this is what I would do. I would play him this week. If he does not perform this week, if he's still not number one on the team and targets this week, then you drop him. Then you consider yourself... Fullheartedly, from week five on for the rest of the season, you are in tight end streaming strategy territory for the rest of the year. If he cannot perform in this game, if he can't at least give you a decent stat line, that's it. It's over. It's done. If that happens, go after Mo Ali Cox. That's the guy I'm going to keep telling everybody to go after, but I would play him this week. And then if he doesn't perform this week, that's it. You have an Ingram experiment is over because you cannot continue to run him out there while he's actually healthy, which we don't know how much longer that will last. And he's still not performing. But in this matchup against the Rams, I do believe the Giants will play a little bit better at least than what we saw against the 49ers last week. That game was just very odd to me. He still should be the red zone target and what should be a pass his team from here on out. I'm going to roll the dice one more week as my tight end 12. So, on the Rams side of the ball, though, the big news, of course, for them is that Daryl Henderson is going to be the starter. Cam Akers is still not practicing. I don't believe Cam Akers is going to play this week. So, if Henderson's getting the start and he's looked infinitely better than Malcolm Brown for the past couple of weeks, and Cam Akers isn't going to play, well, Daryl Henderson might be looking at another 20 carry performance against the New York Giants, who have been getting torched from the round- ground games by every. Jerry McKinnon and Jeff Wilson Jr. combined for three touchdowns last week. If that doesn't tell you all you need to know about what you can do on the ground against the Giants, I don't know what does. So Daryl Henderson comes in as my RB14. He is a high-end RB2 for us this week. A must play. And you can have really great expectations for him as well. Malcolm Brown is not rosterable. Cam makers is getting pretty close to that territory. Cam Makers is getting pretty close to that territory. I am getting news now. We're going to hit that breaking news there one more time.
0: Breaking news.
1: Leonard Fournette is out this week with an ankle injury. That was another weird one. We didn't hear about his injury throughout the game. On Wednesday, he was listed out due to rest purposes. And then all of a sudden yesterday was when he finally ended up on the injury report with an ankle injury. And now it's just became official that Leonard Fournette is out. So Ronald Jones's value just went through the roof this week. DFS redraft. He's going to have an opportunity to be a bell cow back. Now I guess LaShawn McCoy is going to get mixed in a little bit because he has been getting mixed in on the passing game. I don't know why, but he has been, but not to an extent that it should really care. I, I don't love Ronald Jones. But if you're going to give me a running back who is going to get a bell cow worth of workload, which is what he's staring at now with no Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones has to be a must play this week. And you know, obviously, my rankings don't reflect this news that just came out now. My rankings will get updated on BellyUpFantasySports.com all throughout the weekend, and will be finalized by Sunday morning for you. So this will get updated, and we'll we'll get an idea. But I can tell you, off the top of my head, Ronald Jones is definitely going to fall in the RB two territory for that game without a doubt. So Tampa Bay offering some really late waiver possible productions Cause there could be a lot of guys who dropped Ronald Jones after, after the week two, after people thought Leonard Fournette was going to take over at that point, or at least have had him on his benches. So they're providing you some late value here with Justin Watson being a must add. And now Ronald Jones being a must start with this news of Leonard Fournette being out this week. So getting back to the Rams here, We were talking about Darrell Henderson. He's a must play Cooper cup, Robert Woods, obviously they're must plays as well. It's a great matchup. I do have Ronald Woods for the first time since week one ranked ahead of Cooper cup. Ronald Woods comes in, Robert Woods comes in at wide receiver eight for me while Cooper cup is wide receiver 13. So wide receiver one, wide receiver two, obviously you're playing them. The big thing is that when the, when the opposing team at the Rams play, do not have a top corner well, then it's probably going to be a Robert Woods week that week. That's when he's going to get more featured, more targets, most likely. Cooper Cup's still going to be right there. These guys still lead the way, and they can still both have good games at the same time. They've, they've proven that already this season. But it's usually when the opposing team has, does have a legitimate number one corner that will then see Cooper Cup have the better week, and he'll be ranked ahead. So that's kind of just the way the formula is working as far as who's better, Robert Woods or Cooper Cup, in case you are wondering. You're playing both of them, though. You're playing Tyler Higby. He comes in at tight end nine for us this week. Playing everybody. Playing everybody against the Giants. Jared Goff is our one, is not our top, but at one of our top streaming quarterbacks available this week. We have him at QB 14. I think there's a real chance he could finish in the top 10 against the Giants. So everyone is playable. Everyone is starable on the Rams against the Giants this week. So what we're going to do real quick is we're going to take a break. Take a nice little three-minute break we'll come back on the other side we still have more late window games to talk about and of course we still have the mailbag segment for you guys at the end of today's show so stay tuned for that
2: you're listening to the md's fantasy football show on the worldwide sports radio network
1: and we are back with the md's fantasy football show on wwsrn as always i am your host dan mater and we've been reviewing previewing the late window games for week four. We have talked to you guys about the updated injuries from the games that we previewed in yesterday's matchup. We talked about the Thursday night recap, and now we have some more late window games to preview along with a mailbag segment later on in the next segment for you guys. And we've been keeping it up to date with you throughout the show. We already had a couple of breaking news alerts. Leonard Fournette, again, just a recap for you all in case you're just joining the show, is going to be out this week. So Ronald Jones becomes a must play and the Titans Steelers game has been rescheduled for week seven. Still waiting details as far as is it Thursday, is it Sunday, is it Monday? We don't know that part yet. Or what exactly is it going to do to the week seven matchup that was already in store for the Steelers that week. So we're still waiting all the details on that, but that has what's come through the pipe as we've been recording so far on the worldwide sports radio network. So now we go ahead, we can get into the Patriots. We can get into the Chiefs. This is going to be the one of the big games to watch. This is going to be the game of the week, I believe, as far as the Sunday afternoon games go. Because the true game of the week is going to be the Monday night game between the Packers and the Falcons. I believe we're going to see some fireworks on that. We are going to preview that game in a little short while here on this show. But for the, as far as the Patriots and the Chiefs go, look, from a fantasy perspective, it's kind of simple, right? Cam Newton, he's our number 11 quarterback. He is you know, a low-end QB 1 he had a disappointing week last week from a fantasy perspective against the Raiders, but they just they didn't have to do too much offensively to win that game. The defense kind of came through. They got some good special teams plays. They just kind of set up in a situation where they didn't have to do a lot to win, and they won in dominant fashion. That's not going to be the case against Kansas City Chiefs. So the one thing that we know for sure that we're going to be able to count on Cam Newton to do in this game is run. I know a lot of people are saying, like, well, look, Chiefs did a pretty good job bottling up Lamar Jackson for the most part in that game. The difference between the way the Ravens are playing right now with Lamar Jackson, the way the Patriots are playing right now with Cam Newton is physicality. I didn't think I'd be saying this, but the Baltimore Ravens are not playing with the same kind of physicality, especially didn't that Monday night as they did a season ago. They're playing it safer with Lamar. They're not trying to put him in situations to get hit. They're trying to give him those boots that he gets to the sideline right away with. They don't run. They don't want him running down the middle of the field. The difference between that and the Patriots right now, the Patriots don't care. Pages are in 100% play bully football. And that's what we're going to see on Sunday. They don't care if they run Cam Newton down the middle. They don't care if they run Cam Newton as the goal line running back. And they don't care. It is 100% full throttle. As long as you are healthy, we are just going to try to out-bully everyone else. Now, I don't expect that to change against the Kansas City Chiefs. Julian Edelman's a must-play in this game. Now he ranks out as a low-end wide receiver too for us, but he's still a must-play especially in half-point, full-point PPR leagues. The volume is going to be there. And Kansas City does a very good job against perimeter-wide receivers. And I don't think Steve Spagnuolo and that defense get enough credit for that. But they still are very exposed to slot guys. To quick guys over in the middle. Very exposed in that area. So I expect Julian Edelman to have a very decent game, at least in this one. The only guy I'm not going to play is Nikhil Harry. Because again, like I said, they do very well against perimeter wide receivers. And Nikhil Harry, he's a guy who I think is a, a bit touchdown dependent to me. Comes in for me as more in the wide receiver four territory. If he caught a touchdown, he could enter that wide receiver three territory. But I think you just have a lot of better options, like a, a, a Justin Watson we talked about earlier in this show. There's a lot of better options going into this week than I believe Neil Kale Harry. So he's not a must play for me. Really, when it comes to the Patriots, I think Cam Newton and, and Julian Emmon are the only must-starts for me this week. Because the backfield, whew, I don't know if Damian Harris is going to be activated this week. He has been practicing. He's eligible to return. I don't think that's going to wind up being the case because James White's back. If there was ever a week to play James White, whether it be redraft, whether it be DFS, it would be this week. Now, if you're in redraft situation, I still am not going to feel very comfortable with the floor. Because we just haven't seen, I mean, James White was out the first two weeks, but even that week one, we just hadn't seen him be involved. But after the week that Rex Burkhead had had last week, especially in the passing game as he led the way in receptions, James White coming off of a tragedy with his family, coming back to this week against Kansas City Chiefs, a game in which should be more pro game script for a James White type. If there was ever a week to play him, it's this week. It's this week. And the more I talk about it, I think the more I'm talking myself into being able to play James White in redraft leagues and feeling pretty comfortable with that too because when taking consideration, you don't have James Conner, you don't have Derrick Henry all of a sudden. You still don't have Raheem Mostert. You still don't have Le'Veon Bell. You still don't have Christian McCaffrey. You still don't have Saquon Barkley. All those situations out there, you are very well looking for a decent RB2, especially in half-point, full-point PPR leagues. There's a very good chance that James White could be right up there with Julian Edelman in targets this week. So James White, to me, is the only running back that you can play in this matchup. And I really would not be surprised if they had a particular game plan carved out for James White to try to have a good game this game. Just can just taking into all the variables and all the circumstances surrounding him and the Patriots and what's been going on with him and his family right now. And a game that would provide you with the idea that it would be a pro game script for a pass catching back to begin with. So James White is a, definite possible play for you this week. I want to go so far as saying a a must play, depending on what your options are, but if there was ever a week to do it, this is the week. And he is a must play for me in DFS without a doubt. Can't play Sonny Michel. I know he had a big week last week. He still only had nine carries. He's not somebody who's gotten a lot of volume. And last week against the Raiders, the best we've seen him play. I didn't know Sonny Michel could run that far anymore. It's been so long since we've seen him get past the line of scrimmage. There's no way you can play Sony Michelle, especially with James White back in the mix. Rex Burkhead's still going to play at least to some degree, and the being that J.J. Taylor outcarried, outsnapped Sony Michelle last week, how do you, I don't know how you play him. I don't, so I don't think you do. James White's the only running back that I think you can play. Move to the Kansas City Chiefs. Is this a great matchup for Tyreek Hill? Is it a great matchup for Sammy Watkins? No. The corners of the Patriots are pretty good. They're also pretty good with the Baltimore Ravens. And the Kansas City Chiefs still lit them up. We don't have to spend a lot of time with the Chiefs. You're you're starting Mahomes. You're starting Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You're starting Tyreek Hill. You're starting Travis Kelsey. I think the question in everybody's mind is, can you also start Sammy Watkins? And with the way the Chiefs are playing right now, my answer to that is yes. He still had a high volume last week. He was still amongst the top of the players and targets last week. Mahomes is spreading the ball around everywhere. So does Sammy Watkins have the same ceiling as a Tyreek Hill? No. But he's got a heck of a floor. Just the way this off. And it doesn't matter what the matchup is. So I am okay playing Sammy Watkins as a wide receiver three this week, depending on what your options are. Because he does have a good floor, especially when it comes to half point and full point PPR leagues. And he is a guy... Who does have the ceiling of scoring a touchdown in any given week within this offense? So yeah, I I would consider playing Sammy Watkins in my lineup depending on what your options are this week. So that means you're playing all fantasy relevant chief players. I guess I'll mention it because he did have a good week last week. The only one you're not playing is Nicole Harbin. I hope people would understand that. Now, people have had an infat- infatuation with Nicole Harbin for forever now, and it's always kind of driven me crazy to some degree because. He doesn't play enough. I know when he's out there, I know in this offense, whether it's Harbin, whether it's Robinson, they always had this possibility that they could catch a 70-yard bomb. I understand that. But I don't know why people chase that to the degree that they do, especially when it comes to Hardman and Robinson. It was Harbin's week last week. The week before was Robinson's week. It could very easily flip-flop again of who that fourth receiver is going to be. So, No. I'm not chasing that. I'm not chasing that low of a snap count. I don't know why some people do, but don't. If you're if you're part of MD Nation, you're listening to this show. Let someone else make that mistake. But again, I've seen enough questions this week where I felt compelled that that, that had to be addressed. Don't play Michael Harmon. Don't play DeMarcus Robinson. So we move on from this game. Thankfully, one of the games that doesn't have too many injury news. We move on to the Buffalo Bills. We move on to the Las Vegas Raiders. Again, the Bills, we don't want to spend a lot of time on it. You're, pre- you're starting all Bills players. Now, the only question is, you know, what do you do with Devin Singletary and Zach Moss? Because this is a great matchup. Zach Moss is expected to be back this week. I think you can play Devin Singletary as a RB3, as a flex play this week. We have him in that territory ranked, Even with Zach Moss back in the lineup. You saw what Sonny Michelle was able to do on nine carries. Devin Singletary played very well last week. What we have not seen yet is the Bills really try to run the football, and they really haven't tried to do it no matter what the game script is. So even if this is a game in which they get up by a few scores, what we've seen so far this season is that they still are throwing the ball even in those situations. So I don't necessarily think that this is a game when you look at it and like, oh, well, maybe the Bills go up by a couple touchdowns and Devin Singletary and Zach Moss will get a little extra volume in the second half as they grind it out. It just hasn't been the case of what the Bills have been doing. So that's why you kind of have to play them as an RB3. You know, like, okay, if you get 12 touches to 14 touches against the Raiders, you should be able to still give me a decent floor, but you can't expect much of an upside, not much of a ceiling in this matchup. So that's going to depend on what you need in your lineups. Do you need a guy who can hit you a home run in order to even it out? Or you just need to make sure that you have a bottom against the team, against your opponent this week. That's going to be a lineup matchup decision right there for fantasy football purposes. So his value, remember, is just a high floor RB3. I'm not playing Zach Moss. I'll just clear that up right now. The other injury news to talk about with the Bills is John Brown. Now, he was trending towards not being available this week. That was the expectation. However, he did return to a limited participation in practice yesterday after missing Wednesday with the calf issue. We got to wait to see exactly. I haven't gotten the report yet on the Buffalo Bills side of things and what their practice report looks like right now. But the fact that he was able to practice in a limited capacity on Thursday, and from what I understand, it wasn't just rehab work. He was legitimately out there practicing. There's a decent chance he could suit up in this game. So the sneaky Cole Beasley pickup, the sneaky Gabriel Davis DFS play, that may be going out the window, but that's something we're going to have to watch throughout the weekend. If Brown plays, you can play him as a boomer bust wide receiver three option. If he does not play, you can play Cole Beasley as a high floor wide receiver three option. And again, Gabriel Davis, he's only somebody I'm going to play in DFS. I'm not going to play him in redraft leagues. But that's going to completely depend on what now is going to be the new status for John Brown. Stephon Diggs, obviously you're playing him. He comes in at wide receiver 12 for us. It's a great matchup. He's been getting targeted like crazy. He's been in the top 10 of targets, top 10 in air yards. Stephon Diggs all day, every day. Not that I probably even have to say that. Dawson Knox, we still don't know exactly what his availability is going to be, but to me, from a fantasy perspective, it doesn't really matter. I think he's somebody who might be stream worthy at some point this season, but that's not this week anyway, whether he's active or not. So we move on to the Raiders. Obviously, you're playing Josh Jacobs. He's an RB1 for us this week. What do you do about the receivers, though? Ruggs is going to be out. Edwards is going to be out. Do you trust Hunter Renfro? I think the answer to that is you kind of trust in the way you would look at a Jameson Crowder, maybe not quite as valuable, but a low-end wide receiver three, high-end wide receiver four, who has a high floor. That's how you have to look at Hunter Renfro. Because with both of those receivers out, in a game in which I expect the Raiders to have to come back from behind at some point during this game, both Renfro and Darren Waller should have enough volume available to them that they will both be able to eat in this game. Now, you're going to be playing Darren Waller as a tight end one anyway. He comes as number seven for us for the week. But it's very rare that you find yourself in a situation with the Raiders where both Renfro and Darren Waller can have good games. That sets up to be this week, just, just given due to the injuries. Derek Carr is going to be a check-down machine more so this week than throughout his career. And he's always been a check-down machine, but it's setting up that he's going to have to be that way this week does not have the players, nor is it a good matchup to try to take shots down the field in this one. And the person who's going to get those shots down the field when they do try to take them is going to be Darren Waller. Just amplifying his ceiling and his potential in this matchup against the Buffalo Bills. So I'm I'm good with it. I'm good with playing both Renfro. Like I said, if you have a higher ceiling option to go with, depending on your matchup, it's not a bad play there. But he's going to have a nice floor in this game. He's going to be flex worthy at the very least. So I'm good with playing retro in this game. And of course, Waller, of course, Jacobs. I'm not streaming Derek Carr. You have better options to go with besides Derek Carr uh, in this one, especially with him not having his big play weapons uh, in this game against what should be on paper a good Buffalo defense, although we really haven't seen them be that yet. This could be the game that it happens, though. So what we're going to do, we're going to take one more quick break. Come back on the other side, we're going to preview the Sunday night game, we're going to preview the Monday night game, and then we're going to go ahead and give you the mailbag segment. So stay tuned right after this.
2: You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
1: And welcome back, everybody, to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater going over the late window preview matchups for today's show. We talked about the recap of the Thursday night game, some of the injury updates, and we actually had some more injury news come out while we were on break. Some official stuff for you guys. So all the Falcons wide receivers, Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, and Russell Gage are officially listed as questionable, but expected to play for Monday night, which is good. Cause we're going to talk about that in this segment on all, all together. Uh, Also, Terry McLaurin is officially listed as questionable, but he is also expected to play. And the Cleveland Browns released their practice report. Kareem Hunt was officially a limited participant in practice today, officially listed as questionable, but also expected to play. So all that came out while we were on break. So that was good. We were able to keep you. Up to date on that on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN, also presented by Belly Up Sports. So we're going to keep it going. We got two more games that we have to preview for week four. And of course, we got the mailbag statement for you guys before we close out the show. We got the Philadelphia Eagles with the San Francisco 49ers on a Sunday night matchup. It's going to be an interesting one for the Philadelphia Eagles without a doubt, because if they can't show that they can turn this season around against the JV squad of the, of the San Francisco 49ers, There's going to be some real pressure on Carson Wentz. There's going to be some real pressure on Doug Peterson. Uh, There's going to be some real pressure on this team altogether. If they get smoked the way the Giants did with the 49ers B team, which other than George Kittle returning, and we're talking about that, and obviously you're playing him for fancy purposes, they still don't have anybody coming back. That's a normal starter. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be out. Uh, still, Debo Samuel is still another week away, perhaps, from where he's able to play. D4 just recently went on IR, so he's out for a minimum the next three weeks. Obviously, no Thomas. Obviously, no Nick Bosa. Obviously, still no Richard Sherman for another week. No Jordan Reed, no Raheem Mostert, no Tevin Coleman. This is, I mean, they, there's not really much other than getting George Kittle back. The 49ers are not in a much different state than they were last week against the New York Giants as far as who's available to play. If they come out and manhandle the Eagles the way they manhandled the Giants, well, the Eagles are going to be in some deep pressure, some a lot of hot seats coming Monday if they're not able to at least be competitive. I don't know if they have to win the game. I feel like they have to win the game in order to avoid it. But just they have to make sure they don't get dominated, like the Giants did. Number one. Now, from a fantasy football perspective, I don't know how you trust Carson Wentz. From a fantasy perspective, he had a very good game against Cincinnati because. The one thing Carson Wentz has shown early on in this season is that with all of the injuries to the offensive line and him having to run for his life a lot more and him not having a lot of wide receivers to go to, he is back to being able to use his legs. He is back to being willing to do that. that was the word I was. He's Back to being willing to do that because since he's had his ACL injury a couple years ago, we haven't seen a Carson Wentz who's really wanted to run if he could at all avoid it. We haven't seen that. That has been the case so far this season, mostly due to necessity. But as long as he's able to do that, well, then he's going to offer a fantasy floor moving forward. So that's last week he was 25. This week he comes up 20. Other than Jason Verrett, who actually did play well last week against number one wide receiver, but Eagles don't have a number one receiver this week. Jackson still has in practice. We don't know exactly. He's going to be officially listed as questionable. He's still listed as day-to-day. There's still a possibility he might play. You're not going to play him for fantasy football purposes. But Greg Ward and Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz is our number one tight end on the week. Purely, purely based on the volume headed his way. With no Dallas Goddard. At best, they banged up Deshaun Jackson. It's, it's, it's Zach Ertz, it's Greg Ward, and it's Miles Sanders. It's a repeat of the end-of-season stretch that we saw the Eagles and Carson Wentz have to go through last year. They're right back where they started. All those hoopla- all these guys we drafted, oh, we have speed now. Oh, we have depth now. Do you? Because you're starting off this season right where you left off. It's it's ridiculous. It's crazy. But as a result, Greg Ward, he's a low-end wide receiver three, high-end wide receiver four, who has a nice floor due to the volume staring him down in the face in this matchup. And the slot receiver, typically speaking, does have a decent game against San Francisco 49ers. So you have that. He's a possible play in your flex. Like I said, Zach Ertz, the volume that he's staring at, he makes his number one tight end of the week because he might be uh, legitimately Ertz could be looking at 15 targets in this game. That's not an exaggeration. And Miles Sanders, you don't love the matchup against the 49ers. You never do with a running back, but again, he's somebody who's going to get 18 to 20 carries and most likely due to the situation right now, five to seven targets in this game. So he very easily could be looking at 25 total touches. I'll take that all day, every day. The only thing holding Miles Sanders back from really being an RB1 at this point is he hasn't found the end zone yet. That could happen this week. This is not the same San Francisco defense. Keep that in mind. So you're playing those guys. They all have value. The only place like the only person that I don't think you have to play is Carson Wentz because there are a lot of other streaming quarterback options. And just given his general play on the field it's a little too risky for my taste in this matchup in an offensive line who's not doing well against San Francisco in San Francisco. But if he continues to run, he's going to enter our high end streaming territory sooner rather than later. But listen to what I'm saying. I mean, I had Carson Wentz as a QB one coming into the season. I know a lot of other people did. He's not somebody who is a must roster at this point. He's just not. And he's actually one of the heaviest drop players this past week. So, Carson Wentz very well could be just a streaming quarterback the rest of the way, or at least until further notice, at least until they get Alshon Jeffrey back, which might happen next week. Might. We'll have to wait and see. But that's what you're doing from a fantasy perspective. From the 49er side of the ball, look, Jerry McKinnon, Jeff, well, first of all, McKinnon practiced in full, so McKinnon's going to be good to go in case you were worrying about that. I don't love the Magic against the Eagles. The defense has stayed true to you still can't run very successfully against them. Now, this is the 49ers, and they can always seem to run successfully, at least to some degree, at everyone. I'm not playing McKinnon anything more than a flex play this week, though. You're kind of hoping he gets more involved in the passing game. What I will say is that last week, before he got injured in the fourth quarter, it was McKinnon's backfield. He was a starter. He was getting a bell cow worth of workload. Jeff Wilson really didn't get tagged in too much until the end of the game until the end of the fourth quarter when McKinnon was out. I mean, he was sprinkled in throughout the game. I mean, McKinnon's not going to get 25 carries. We, I think we all know this. But McKinnon's going to be back in there. Uh, And a guy like Jeff Wilson, who only had about, what, two yards to carry last week, he ain't going to have much more success this week against uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, who you can't really run on even when you have a good running back. So the only guy I feel comfortable playing with in the 49ers' backfield would be McKinnon. But even then, it's only as a flex play. You have to recognize that you're going to have the possibility of a low floor in this particular matchup. Outside of George Kittle, I don't think there is a must play for the 49ers. Kittle in is our number three tight end. He's going to be the number one pass catcher. He's going to be heavily involved. He's the only guy that they can trust to go to. And really is George Kittle being back and his blocking ability that even makes me feel comfortable with playing McKinnon as a flex option this week because of his, just like I said, because of his blocking ability, he opens up everything else, especially in the run game. So that's big. A lot of people are going to be asking, me, well, what about Brandon Ayuk? He had a decent game. Well, Brandon Ayuk's wide receiver 40 for us this week. He's going to be matched up on Darius Slay more than not. He's still the only wide receiver out there. That's who Slay's going to shadow. And if you're out there thinking, well, because he's Brandon Ayuk, he's not really a big name wide receiver. Maybe Slay doesn't shadow. No, 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 no. This defense is built to shadow Darius Slay on the opposing team's number one wide receiver. That's how they built their defensive scheme around that. So it doesn't matter if you're in a situation like the 49ers where their number one receiver isn't necessarily a big name, This isn't necessarily somebody you have to worry about as much as other number one wide receivers for other teams out there. He's still going to shadow Brandon Ayuk. So no, you're not playing Brandon Ayuk. He's a must sit for me. Like I said, wide receiver 40 here this week. I'm not expecting much out of them, which is why George Kittle is going to have to take over for the passing attack. He's going to have to be the passing attack along with maybe some screens to Jerick McKinnon, which is why I put him in the flex territory. This could wind up being a pretty ugly Sunday night game. Just kind of looking at it on paper. So we're going to move on to the Monday night game. We're going to move on to the fantasy wet dream of the week. Probably should make that a segment moving forward. The Green Bay Packers, the Atlanta Falcons. We'll quickly mention the narrative of if the Falcons get up by two scores and they blow it again in the fourth quarter, can we can we just can we line up Dan Quinn and Adam Gase and have them both fired by Tuesday? Is that at all possible? That would need to happen. If the Atlanta Falcons blow a yet another game. And the crazy thing is as bad as their defense is because of how good their offense is. Even against the Green Bay Packers have looked great. There's still a possibility. They could be up by a couple scores heading into the fourth quarter here. They have the firepower to go toe to toe with the Packers in this matchup. They do. It's going to be very, if the Falcons are up again, everyone's going to have their eyes glued to Dan Quinn in that fourth quarter. Now, as far as the fantasy aspect of this goes, everyone's a must play on the Packers, on the Falcons. Everyone's healthy, except for Alan Lazard, who that was really unfortunate. Alan Lazard was one of the top waiver wire pickups of the week. He was my top waiver wire pickup of the week as far as the wide receivers are concerned. You get him. You feel pretty good. You know that even if Devontae Adams plays, it's the Atlanta Falcons. It's a great matchup. You can still expect good numbers out of Lazard, who maybe had his breakout performance, maybe started to take the next step up. Core muscle injury surgery out indefinitely. Could be the rest of the season. They're hoping not, but could be. I mean, it's the same injury just on Jackson had last year. I would be surprised if Alan Lazard ever came back this season, At at least for fantasy purposes anyway. Maybe he's back by the playoffs. But what that does do is that Devontae Adams, who is trending in the right direction and expected to be active on Monday night, he's staring down the barrel. Talk about uh, We talk about Zach Ertz, I think, looking at 15, uh, 15 targets. Devontae Adams very well could be looking at 15 targets himself in a great matchup against Atlanta. So, you're, 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 I mean, not that you weren't going to play Adams, but sky's the limit. He comes in as our wide receiver, too. And now, with the injury news about DeAndre Hopkins being legitimately banged up, I, I might move him to be my number one wide receiver for the week. Aaron Jones, obviously, he, he's my RB4 for the week. You must play. Aaron Rodgers is a QB1 this week. Marquez Valdez Scantling. So I have not been able to adjust the rankings as far as where does Scantling wind up now with Alan Lazard out of the picture? I can tell you before ever having it done that he's going to wind up in that wide receiver three territory with upside potential. So if you're looking for if you're looking for more of a guy, and that's not necessarily for a high floor, but you're looking for a guy with a great matchup. Who has the ability to hit a home run for you? Well, Marquez Valdez Scantling has been doing that this season, with the exception of last week, to this point, anyway. Again, I guess the Atlanta Falcons, more than just, more than just Devontae Adams is going to have a good game in this game, as far as receivers go. So Marquez Valdez Scantling is somebody that I am definitely looking to take the shot on this week as a high-end wide receiver three with upside in this matchup. So he's definitely somebody who I'm going to be plugging in my lineups and expecting a good game out of, and could could be a big reason why you win the week on Monday night football. So I love Scantling heading into this matchup. As far as the tight ends go, it is definitely looking like Robert Tanyan is the guy to own in green Bay. I still just don't trust the tight ends. Does he enter the streaming territory for us in this particular matchup? Yes. He's a stream worthy tight end, depending on what your other options are. But no tight end of the Packers is ever going to be a must play for me because it's very hit or miss when they're actually involved in the game plan. And it doesn't really seem to matter what the matchup is or what the game script is. It's just a matter of whether Rodgers is actually going to throw to them or not. Now, without Alan Lazard, it does open up more of a possibility that he's going to look the tight end way. But I think you just have guys with safer floors than Robert Tanya heading into this game. Especially the guy on the other side, Hayden Hurst, who has been a little bit disappointing to this moment but he's still been involved in the red zone he has had a game where he's had a lot of targets i'd rather have hurst than any green bay packer tight end on the other side he comes in at tight end 17 for us so that mid level tight end to streaming territory but this is a game i think that you can play him if you're looking you know for a replacement for Juju Newsmith smith or you, you know, or whatever he's in that he's in that streaming category if you've been streaming tight ends Like I said, coming out of the break, Julio Jones, Russell Gage, Calvin Ridley, all expected to be good to go for Monday Night Football. Julio Jones comes in as our wide receiver four for the week. Again, he's somebody else who I might move up a little bit with the news of DeAndre Hopkins being a little bit banged up. I like that he took off last week. That was my big concern. I like, as a Julio Jones owner, and I am in several leagues, I wanted him to take that week off because I do not want to go through this every week thing where Julio Jones is out there really just to be a decoy because he's never gotten a chance to get healthy. He got a chance to get healthy. He's looked good so far throughout practice this week. They've been very positive on him all week long. This is a matchup that they need Julio Jones. This is a matchup and it's going to be a high-scoring game. So Julio definitely has to be your wide receiver one. I'm not... For the people out there who might be worried about a decoy situation, I'm not worried about it. I don't think that's going to present itself in this one. Obviously, you have to play Calvin Ridley, too. He comes in at wide receiver nine. Both of these guys are wide receiver ones for us this week. The question becomes, do you play Russell Gage or not? And I think Russell Gage is interesting. You know, when he's been healthy and out there on the field, he's been very involved. Like I said this before, he's the biggest reason why I think Hayden Hurst hasn't quite taken off the way myself and several others have expected because they didn't expect Russell Gage to be as involved as he has been in the offense. So as long as he is out there and good to go, he has a bit of a floor coming into this game. There's a real possibility he's looking somewhere between six to eight targets in what should be a high-volume passing type of football game. So he has wide receiver three fantasy worth in this matchup, I guess you could say, as as a decent floor who has the capability of going over a hundred yards and scoring in his own right. So there's, there's a, there's a range of outcomes there that you're kind of looking for as a wide receiver three, who's either, you know, your third receiver or your flex play. So he's somebody who's worthy of that. Depending on what your matchups are, but he's not, he's not a must start, but he can now Todd Gurley scored last week, had 80 yards snap count wise. It does seem like there's, going to, there's starting to be a more even split between Todd Gurley and Brian Hill. Here's what I'm going to say about this. First and foremost, Todd Gurley is a must start for us in this game because we all know he's still the goal line back and Atlanta's going to have opportunities to score in this game. So there's a good chance that Todd Gurley is going to be able to score a touchdown. He comes in as RB16 for us. He still had five yards of carry against Chicago last week. Still looked okay. He was still able to gash him throughout the game. Packers are not anything that you're worried about, especially since they're a little bit banged up on the defense side of the ball in their front seven at the moment. As far as the Brian Hill situation goes, I want people to remember last year. I want people to remember when Brian Hill took over for Devontae Freeman and was supposed to be the bell cow back. And from a workload standpoint was. And I want people to remember how ineffective Brian Hill was. So ineffective, in fact, that people were clamoring for Devontae Freeman to come back because they were getting nothing out of Brian Hill. My point to say is this. Even though the snap count might come off as seeming a little bit closer, until last week, the actual carries hasn't been close. And even last week, more than half of Brian Hill's production came on that 135-yard run. So I do not believe that this is actually a committee moving forward. I still believe Todd Gurley is somebody who's looking at 15 plus touches. And even last week, you know, he had 14 carries. He actually had a reception. So he still got 15 touches. He's still somebody I expect to get 15 to 20 touches each week moving forward. And he's still going to be in touchdown threat, especially in plus matchups where the Falcons are able to score a lot of points. Now, again, if Todd Gurley scores this week, I talked about this last week, Todd Gurley scores this week. It's... You want to try to sell high on top early if you possibly can. But I am playing him as a solid RB2 this week. Obviously, you're playing Matt Ryan. He comes in as QB nine. So I have Ryan and Rogers ranked right next to each other, both as QB1s. Like I said, this is just this is the fantasy wet dream of the week, this Monday night game. So that actually wraps up our preview matchups for all of week four dating back to yesterday's show. Make sure you go back and check that out. So now we get to talk about the mailbag segment here. So as always, we have a couple questions for the mailbag segment from you guys. And remember, if you want to get on the mailbag segment or if you just want help with your lineups, with your fantasy dilemmas, all you have to do is go to social media, at BellyUpMDFFShow for Twitter or Facebook. Leave us a comment, leave us a question, send us a message, whatever you want to do. You can hit up the MD Nation hotline, 609-362-2480. Leave your voicemail 24-7, any time of day or night comment, question, rant, whatever you want it to be. And of course, you can also email us directly, mdsfantasyfootball at gmail.com. So our first question on the day comes from Yama13 on Twitter. They asked me, do I trade Daryl Henderson and Gaskin for Joe Mixon? This is very interesting. This is very interesting. I have Henderson ranked ahead of Mixon for this week, but I still value Mixon rest of season more. Cam Akers is going to come back at some point. It's still pretty clear to me that Sean Gavey, even though Daryl Henderson is hot right now, is still going to treat this as a hot hand approach. So I'm very curious what happens when Cam Akers comes back, even though it's probably not going to be this week. Miles Gasson is just a not, is just a guy. He's going to be a bi week fill-in for you in a flex or your RB two position because of the workload that he's getting with the Miami Dolphins. We saw this last year at of Joe Mixon. We saw this last year out of Zach Taylor where he played Gene Bernard at an annoying clip and eventually got wise and handed Joe Mixon the ball all the time and Joe Mixon took over. Now the difference between last year and this year is Joe Burrow. The difference is that this is a pass first offense altogether. So at no point is the offense definitely going to throw through Joe Mixon the way that it did towards the end of last season, But I also don't believe Joe Mixon has to have 30 touches a game in order to give you RB1-level production. Joe Mixon, from a physical standpoint, has looked great to me. There's there's nothing wrong with Joe Mixon. Is the offensive line concerning? Yes. Is it concerning the way Zach Taylor has been splitting the the snap counts and splitting up the passing down work? Yes. But we've seen Mixon turn it around. I will say this. The difference between Mixon and Daryl Henderson is that Mixon still has RB1 potential this season. So I would lean towards yes doing this deal, but it's circumstantial at the moment. Now Yama thirteen here doesn't tell me whether what his record is as of, at this point. If you're three and zero, if you're two and one, I am one hundred percent doing this deal because I'm doing with the mindset that I have Joe Mixon who has the potential to be an RB one as we move forward throughout this season. If I'm doing it from a one and two zero and three standpoint, especially zero and three. I don't know if I want to do this deal next week. If this deal is still on the table next week, then yes. But I don't know if I would want to do it this week with Darren Henderson, definitely going to be the starter with no Cam Akers against the New York giants. I don't know if I want to do that this week. Joe Mixon might get right this week against Jacksonville. Cause it's, it's the first decent matchup really that he's had so far this season, but I'm a little bit concerned I love Daryl Henderson's ceiling in this game. I'm a little bit concerned that Joe Mixon's still getting, having his workload eaten in a little too much by Bernard. So Yama 13, it depends on your record, whether I want to do it this week or next week, but ultimately I would lean towards, yes, wanting to do this deal. Yes, wanting to get Joe Mixon out of it. So the next question we have is KJ from Facebook. He asked me, do I trade Cooper Cup for DJ Moore? No, no, no. No, I cannot say no enough to this deal. I've been on this show several times saying I am not a big DJ Moore fan when it comes to fantasy football. I think he's a great wide receiver. I think he's a great NFL wide receiver. He does not score touchdowns. And I told you guys coming into this season, and you're seeing it so far through the first three weeks. This offense is not going to be built around throwing DJ Moore the ball and then everybody else. Robbie Anderson has been neck and neck with him with targets. And actually, I think on the season total right now, Robbie Anderson's the more targeted wide receiver. And he has the actual red zone potential. I value Robbie Anderson, not just this week, but for the rest of the season over DJ Moore. So no, Cooper Cup is a high-end wide receiver too. And a guy can give you low-end wide receiver one weeks because of the way the Rams have been playing on offense and being that him and Robert Woods can both eat on a pretty consistent basis. No, I'm not doing that deal. Cooper Cup is more valuable than DJ Moore rest of season. Everyone's falling into this DJ Moore name brand narrative that he's supposed to be this big wide receiver too. is supposed to take the next step up in this offense. The volume's not there. He has to get 150 targets for him to return the value in which you drafted him in the third round. It's not going to happen. So no, I'm not doing that deal. Hayes from Twitter, you asked me, Melvin Gordon or David Montgomery rest of season. Yeah, even if Philip Lindsay comes back, it's definitely hands down Melvin Gordon for me. I don't really think it's particularly close for me in this matchup. Obviously, Melvin Gordon's had a lot of you know work the past couple of weeks without Philip Lindsay in there. But David Montgomery, I know that people have this idea that because there's no more Tariq Cohen for the rest of the season, that his work share definitely goes up. How much is going to go up by? He might get a little bit more work in the passing game. It might not be an automatic David Montgomery's not involved in that aspect of the game. But Tariq Cohen, it was hit or miss whether he was involved in the game plan at all. I mean, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago when they gave him the contract extension. I didn't understand why. Because they never actually use the guy when they say they're going to. Or how much they say they want to. So taking out Tariq Cohen, I don't think boosts the volume of David Montgomery that significantly. And on top of that, Cordell Patterson is playing at a pretty decent clip in his own right. And there's a very good chance that he's just going to be the passing down back moving forward anyway. And he's probably going to get more utilized than Terry Cohen was going to. I'd be willing to bet on that too as far as, as far as the volume standpoint on average. Melvin Gore is a better running back than David Montgomery on top of it. So, yeah, it's hands down Melvin Gordon. David Montgomery is still a nice RB3. He's still a young developing player. But Melvin Gordon is still going to be a three down back, even when Philip Lindsay is back in the mix. So, hands down to me, rest of the season, I am definitely going with Melvin Gordon. That wraps up the mailbag segment. That wraps up the questions that we have for today. I'm going to just go over some last-second news that we are getting for you guys right now, and that is... Mike Williams is absent again today. So that stands pat with what we believe that he's not going to be active. Bryce love now, not that he's been fantasy relevant, but Bryce love somebody that we had talked about quite a bit. He in the offseason, maybe could he make an impact along with Antonio Gibson? Cause he was having a nice, very, uh, very nice training camp. He's going to land on the IR. He had a setback on his knee. So that that's really unfortunate because Bryce love, that means his career might be done. And that's going to be the case. Uh, Again, Terry McLaurin listed as questionable, but expected to play. And that's going to pretty much wrap up that. So that's going to wrap up the show. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. I hope everybody's going to feel prepared heading into their week four matchups. Remember, you can always hit us up on social media at bellyupmdffshow. You can always listen to this show or watch the stream on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network at WWSRN on iOS. Or you can always hit us up on the, or you can always watch us on your favorite streaming app, whether it be iHeart, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Belly Up Sports' MD's Fantasy Football Show. Remember, we're going to be back tomorrow with the DC's DFS Challenge from 9.30 to 1030 with my co-host, Chris Pinto from Belly Up Fantasy. Make sure you're checking out the rankings on BellyUpFantasy.com. Those will be up-to-date for you throughout the weekend and will be finalized for you, of course, on Sunday morning. And we will also be live on Twitter Sunday morning answering questions from 10 a.m., all the way up until kickoff like we are every single week at Belly Up MDFF Show. So make sure you're taking advantage of that as well. That's going to do it for us. We'll be back next week with the MD Fantasy Football Show on Thursday from 12 to 1.30 as we always are getting into the week five matchups. Make sure you go ahead and check out the show for our pre-recorded episodes on Monday and Tuesday that come out when we do a recap of week four and we talk about the waiver wire report. All of that and more coming to you guys. Well, stay tuned. Be safe. Have fun and win your week four matchups. Everybody take care.